Welcome to the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. I'm TJ Capaldi, pastoral lackey at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. I'm Alex Carroll, focused missionary here at Georgia Tech. And I'm Father Josh Allen, chaplain here at the Catholic Center. Today we're going to be discussing uh, an interesting topic as summer is right around the corner. Um, something that I think a lot of students struggle with, I know that's something I struggle with as well, uh, is how to maintain your spiritual life after uh, after this, after the school year is over, after maybe you've left a certain community like the Catholic Center, or uh, you've left kind of the structure of this college life that kind of keeps you in this routine of your spirituality, how do you maintain that um, throughout the summer months while maybe you don't have the same structure, you don't have the same schedule, maybe you're traveling, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're working, I don't know what your situation is, but so how do we keep that spiritual life moving? How do we keep advancing? And I think the same question that we're answering here for college, it really pertains to any time you have major changes in your life. Like people get married and they move, like we've had some folks do recently from the Catholic Center, right? So they get married and they move to Alabama or they move to Texas or, or to Mississippi <laughs> or, you know, wherever it is that people are going. And, uh, or even, you know, later in your life when you make another move or you change jobs or uh, move to a new school or whatever it is, like, it's always the same problem. Yeah. Transition is, like, the greatest danger to the spiritual and the moral life for that matter. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So what is it about these transitions that always, like, trips people up? What is it that keeps them from advancing their spiritual life? I think, uh, and I, I, I tell this to people in spiritual direction all the time, that we are, as human beings, we are creatures of habit who desperately want to be creatures who are not of habit. Um, it's like none of us want to think that we need structure and routine in our lives <laughs> because we all want to be the kind of people that... We could just handle anything. It'll yeah. be fine. We yeah. just kind of, we'll run here and we'll run there and everything's going to be okay. And you know what? I'm strong enough. I can make sure I keep my prayer time in and I can keep my sure. reading time in and right. I can keep my family time in and I can do all this stuff and I can manage all these things. We all want to be those kind of people except that no one is that kind of person. Right. The most successful people from a business standpoint, right? The most successful people you'll ever read about were people who had extraordinarily rigid yeah. schedules. Now, right. they set them for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's not like somebody was telling them what they had to do. Sure. But they set their schedules and they say, this is how it works. Like, this is how my routine goes. Yeah. They don't vary from it. You know, Pope <laughs> Benedict, when he, was, uh, when he would travel, he kept the same schedule. Hey, today's his birthday, traveling. I think. It is his birthday. Well, yeah. Happy birthday, Pope Benedict. 88 years old. Father Joseph, as he likes. Father Joseph, as he likes. <laughs> or now. Father Benedict. The man formerly known as Pope. Um, so he uh, he kept the same schedule when he would travel, right? He didn't travel nearly as much as John Paul II. Sure. But when he did, he would still wake up in the same time in the morning. He'd pray his hours in the same time in the morning. Wow. Um, he'd do all those kind of things. He'd take his afternoon kind of walk and nap if he needed it. He would do those kind of things. The only thing that would change is obviously if you have a public mass. Right, and stuff, but, meetings and such. Um, same thing with, uh, with you know, CEO, CEOs of big corporations, oh, yeah. entrepreneurs. They're people that have very strong habits. Now, they have flexibility, right? But they have very strong habits. I think the problem in the summer is that we don't build strong habits or we tell ourselves that when summer comes, that I'm going to take a break from my habits. <laughs> I've never done right? that before. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like there's a story there, too. <laughs> no, well, um, Crazy Eights, uh, uh, Pope Benedict is 88 today. Just finish that side note. But, uh, yeah, I think on the same note that Father Josh is talking about, um, 
The thing is, when you don't, like, know, when you wake up in the morning, you don't really know what you're doing today. Just my personal experience is that there's lots of things that I would <laughs> like to fill my schedule with, whether it's Netflix or uh, doing nothing or going back to sleep. And if I don't have something on my schedule, those are the things that usually, uh, usually take precedent, you know, at least over a long enough period of time. So that, I mean, to answer your original question, Alex, that's kind of... Uh, my biggest pitfall is I yeah. just do the things that I like. Um, that There's are not- so many things that kind of intrude into our routine. Like, mm-hmm. even if you have a routine. Sure. Like, I have a pretty good routine of when I wake up in the morning. Um, I mean, the first thing I do after I wake up is I get my bravery and I pray office readings and morning prayer, which are prayers that priests have to pray. And uh, But then I find every once in a while, I found for a while that what I was doing, especially when I first moved here to tech, I found that what I was doing when I first woke up was I would look at my phone. Yeah. You know, I'd check what emails came in the night before and then what texts, or then I'd look on Facebook and see, you know, who liked me. Right. Um, <laughs> from the day before. Because that's how that works. Or, you yeah. know, who responded well to one of my witty comments. Yes. Um, and the thing is, like, once you start that, so then what happens is, oh, wow, now I've spent the 20 minutes that I would spend doing this other stuff doing this. Well, now i got to take a shower and get ready and go downstairs because I've got appointments to make. Well, if you're not careful, then the next thing you know, my day, kind of once it starts, there tends to be no breaks in it. Yeah. Um, unless nobody shows up to confession, which sure. very rarely happens. <laughs> it's um, a good thing. Thanks be it, to God. It, well, it's, it is a good thing that it's not, right? It's like <laughs> yeah, do you like sword, seeing right? people in confession? It's good that they're coming to confession, <laughs> but at the same time, it's Stop not saying. good that they have to come to confession. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. It's a good um, ultimatum. So, but that's usually like if if I have a gap in confessions, that's like the only time during yeah. the day, and then in the evening I have time again. So, for a while when I first got to tech, like I'd be starting morning prayer at like eight o'clock in the evening. That's not good. It's morning somewhere, but not here. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so that's again violation of routine. Why? Because of transition, mm-hmm. a change. I went from a parish to here. I went from a place where I had to be up early in the morning to a place where I have to be up late at night. You know, and, and the transition, was it, it was just crazy. Mm. But once it settled, it settled. I think you brought up a really good point, though. I think the main, uh, the first tip I think any of us could give you when sort of setting out to, like, make a plan for whatever transition it is, is identify, just like you were just doing about your phone on Facebook, identify your pitfalls. Identify those things that you know are going to trip you up, that you know are going to throw you off your schedule. Maybe it's moving to a new location, so I know that I don't know the mass times at this time, or I know that I don't have a place to pray, or whatever it is that's going to keep you, or I know that I won't wake up at an appropriate time to you know get things done. Whatever that is, like identify those things and, and call them out for what they are, and maybe even like write them down. And so just identify that these are the things that are going to keep me from my prayer life. If I truly want to like pursue my spiritual life during this transition during this summer, I need to make sure that I don't fall into X, Y, and Z. I think that's the first step. Um, my second step would be to actually like make a plan for like what you're going to do. Even write it down and keep it on your phone schedule, keep it on your calendar. Um, for me and for all Focus Missionaries, we keep a holy hour. So like the first thing I do whenever I go home during the summer is I set aside a time every single day at the exact same time in the exact same place where I'm going to have my holy hour. Um, if I'm back home, it's at the St. Francis hospital adoration chapel um it's small it's quiet and i can go there it's always open um and i can go there and have my holy hour every day at the exact same time it's very accessible for me and so and if you have a heart attack what better place right (laughs) yeah because that's something i'm prone to um 
So yeah, make a schedule. Um, whatever your spiritual life calls for, wherever you're at in your spiritual walk, you know, uh, if that's time for prayer, if that's time to go to daily mass, uh, which is a beautiful thing, if you can do that, get there, get to find out your mass times, um, and make a plan to be able to go to that every single day. Um, find out confession times as well. That's something that I always struggle with being in a new area. It's like, oh, well, maybe I know where Mass is, but like, when are confessions? Like, that's like a weird thing. Um, and depending on where you are, that could be a drastically different than what you're used to. Very true. Very true. Yeah. You know, students at Tech are used to confessions being offered basically every day. Yeah, it was great. Um, and it's not always that way. Some parishes are like that, but it's not always that mm-hmm. way. My parish back home, it's like only on Saturdays for like 45 minutes. And so, like, you have to, like, you have to be there that time or you're never going to go to confession. So. It can be difficult, but that's a it's a big thing to make sure you're looking out for. Um, How big is your parish? Huge. How does he get through all those people in 45 minutes? <laughs> How, why would you assume that there's that many people there? <laughs> um, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> hey, Father John. <laughs> they don't sin in Missouri. <laughs> that's it. Not yeah, it must be a wonderful place. It is. That's why they call it misery. Um <laughs> My my other my next are you guys are you guys good so far? Any anyone want to jump in and have any comments? I'm, so I'm far, so trying good? to just heckle what you say. That's <laughs> normally how these things go. TJ, any any words of encouragement? No, I'm interested to see what the next next point is. My uh, my next I point. I like the plan idea. I think people yeah. are resistant to making plans though. Yeah. Again, this is this is I think that goes right to the heart of the fact that we don't want to be the kind of people that admit to ourselves. That we have to have a plan. I need a plan. Also, to just to, just to say make a plan. Like, I like when you say identify the pitfalls. That seems concrete to me. But uh, just making a plan is kind of vague. Like, you know, there's so many different ways to do that. And then, like, what comes of that plan, you know, is a good another questions that come to mind. Make a schedule and then stick to it. Sure. That's, that's a good way to say that. Um my third sort of recommendation would be to find some sort of community that can support you in your plan. Um, whether that is like a young adult group, maybe your family is like really good at keeping you accountable for those things, but, or maybe it's like your best friend back home. Um, but someone who can hold you accountable and say, Hey man, you made this plan. Like, have you actually been going to your holy hour every day? Have you actually been attending mass and confession? Someone who can look at you and say, Hey, I, I see you sleeping in every day. Is that allowing plenty of time for you to advance in your spiritual life. Someone who you trust, someone who's honest, maybe it's your spiritual director, maybe someone who lives on the other side of the country and you have to have a phone call with every week. But whatever it is, um, it's kind of like working out. It's like having a workout partner. This mm. is what I always kind of oh, compare yeah. it to. If I have a workout partner, I am like 100% times like more likely to actually go to the gym because I have someone who is relying on me to meet them at the gym and help them lift weights. Like if I don't, this person's going to like die under a dumbbell or something because of me. And so like that gets me out of bed in the morning. Right after you have a heart attack. Uh-oh. Yeah, the, the bench press one. Right? <laughs> Shut up. Barbell. Barbell. That's that. Yeah, you can tell I don't work out that much. Um, and it's the same thing for, for keeping up with your spiritual life, keeping up with your holy hour, with your daily mass, whatever that looks like for you, with your scriptural reading every day. Um, if you have someone who's going to go to those things with you or is going to support you like in that endeavor, um, you're going to be like a lot more likely to be successful. So let me pose this question, because I think what happens, certainly what happens here at Tech, and I imagine it happens other places, happens to people, this is actually like a retreat problem too, mm-hmm. um, is that maybe people have come to Georgia Tech or whoever's listening, you know, the three people that are listening, whatever you've done in your life, uh, and you've had some sort of spiritual conversion, what if going home is actually the most hostile place Mm. to that? What do you do then? 
Yeah, that's scary. Because that does happen. Right? Oh, absolutely. That happens to a lot of students here. We're like, you know, I'm really worried about going home because my parents don't either they don't believe in God or they don't really practice. So it's like yeah. they practically don't believe. Sure. Um, they are not supportive of my decision to be more serious about my faith. I don't even really know how I'm supposed to approach uh, my folks or my friends. Or what if you come back and, you know, you're the one who has actually deepened in your relationship with your faith, maybe dramatically, but all the people that you were in high school with oh, yeah. have That's entered into, like, the party culture. Yeah. And all they want to do is party. I mean, like, in that situation... Someone can feel very isolated yeah. going back home. Absolutely. I so think what that, do, you, do you have any, what is, do you guys prepare anybody, prepare folks and focus for like that kind of eventuality? Um, not in like a specific way as like, oh, my parents have fallen away from the faith, but we do like look ahead as to like these breaks, summer break and winter break and look at like these things. But I think it goes on an individual basis, right? Someone might come home and not have those issues, but I think a lot of people do. Mm. And I think the same rules that I've kind of talking about have applied, like identify those things. Like, no, like as I'm going home, like, Hey, mom and dad aren't going to be so like happy about this whole conversion thing. Like maybe I have to like sit them down and have like a, a heart to heart with them and like explain like this thing to them, um, before I just like start inviting them to daily mass with me like that might require some explanation um the christian life is not without you know its trials and its crosses so like this might be a great way for you to grow in holiness maybe every time your friends want to hang out they want to go they want to go party and they want to go get drunk and they want to you know go do all these things that you've sort of like changed your life from um Maybe you have to like look, really look at yourself and say, maybe I can't hang out with those friends this summer. Or maybe I can hang out with them in certain situations and I can be a great witness to them. I can show them like this new way of life that I'm living. But if they don't accept that, I can't really do anything for them. Um, you know, exactly what you described. When I went around to people, um, when I had kind of finally made the decision that, yes, I have been called to the priesthood. I've applied to seminary. I'm starting this process. Mm-hmm. And then you go through this kind of semi-awkward phase of <laughs> right. going to family and friends and everything. <laughs> yep. It's like you're meeting with them. They all know something really bad has happened. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> Do you have cancer? Are you going to the priest? <laughs> exactly. I really, I have to talk to you about something. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, how many kids does he have? Like, what is going on here? I mean, I remember with my uncle. I miss so I much him, He was so shocked when I told him that I was going into the priesthood. He, the first thing he said was, I didn't even know you practiced. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, well I do. And he's like, I thought you were going to tell me that you had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, um, oh, but one of the things that I did find is that as I was going through to kind of telling people, almost everybody was supportive, but I also have a fairly strong personality. There's not a whole lot of people that will kind of jump on something. Yeah right away with me, right? Because right. they know that I'm kind of ready. Yeah. But um, I did find that over time, like there were just some people that I realized that going on this path in my life means that I can't go on this other path, yeah. right? The paths are mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. and those folks are on that other path. Sure. That's part of the sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. I would... Mean- I'm sorry. It doesn't mean that you don't love those people. It doesn't mean they don't pray for them every not. day. Right. Um, but at some point, you kind of have to choose. Um, yeah. In some circumstances. I would add just that from my personal experience, and this doesn't necessarily make it any easier, but maybe it'll be kind of reassuring if some, for someone who maybe hasn't uh, gone through the process before, is that when you make a commitment to the things that Alex has talked about, like when you say, okay, X, Y, and Z, I'll be specific, like maybe you're going to make a holy hour and go to Mass every day or something like that. Um, 
when you stick to those things, when you do those things, um, that automatically is putting you in places and situations that you wouldn't otherwise be in, and it gives you opportunities to meet new people and discover new opportunities. Like just by you know being in a church, being in a certain environment, you might see a flyer that says like, "Here's the um, you know young adult group or something," or "Here's the you know like youth ministry that you can get involved in." And you know those are ways. So like. I don't. I wouldn't say that you necessarily are going to have to like disconnect yourself from your old friends, but um, to have another community to 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 like search that out and to allow those opportunities to present themselves and to then to take advantage of them can make a, a big difference because then you don't feel so isolated, you don't feel so alone. Yeah. You know, in that community thing too, I think uh, also you got to not be afraid to take some initiative with that. Yeah, I think a lot of people go home and they find that they're actually isn't anything for them sure especially young people like college students this Mm -hmm. is a real thing it's not that parishes don't care about you it's not like that Mm -hmm. the problem with ministry is that we depend on people to lead the ministry one of the big problems with young adult ministry is that you need a young adult to lead it and frankly young adults are a little flaky (laughs) right sorry you guys are both young adults you're a little flaky it's just the way it is (laughs) right so the problem is like getting somebody to lead something is mm-hmm. very difficult. So a lot of times parishes are very willing to, to have yeah. something. So like up at St. Bridget, I remember we allocated a substantial amount of money in the budget to provide for young adult ministry. The problem was like the guy that wanted to lead it, he also had a family with mm-hmm. young kids and he was actually starting a brand new job too. Sure. Now he he's not a flaky guy, right. but he just ran out of time. Yeah. It's like he had this idea while he was looking for a job, mm-hmm. but then he got his job and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I don't have any time for bills, this anymore, yeah. right? So that's kind of part of the problem is finding somebody who will start something. So the thing is, when, when you go home, it's very likely that there's nothing in your parish mm-hmm. for young people. Yeah, uh, and I don't mean like I don't mean like kids. I mean young adults. It's right. very likely there's nothing there yeah. for them. Uh, the so I remember the second year I was at my my parish, St. Bridget. Uh, some graduates from Georgia Tech, actually, who live up there, came to me and said hey, listen, we're interested in starting something. We might use the parish, we might not, but we just wanted to let you know, like, we're kind of kind of try to start this young adult group where it's going to be kind of studying theology of the body and some other stuff. And I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. I said, anything that we can do to help you, like, I want to help you. But it was good that like, they wanted to take mm. that opportunity. And there's other groups that are like that. So the downside is getting plugged in for just a summer yeah. in your parish. Very difficult. It's, it's, I mean, we can't, like, lie about that. Yes. Yeah. That is For a sure. difficult, nearly impossible thing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in some ways, if we're really going to be prepared, especially speaking to kind of college students, if you're really going to be prepared to not backslide mm-hmm. during the summer, you almost have to be prepared to live a little bit like a missionary. Yeah. And that is to recognize that you might not get a lot of support from the people that are around you. Yeah. Um, and to look for that support from the community that you've been sent from. Mm-hmm. And you're going to kind of go back to. I think yeah. that's a really good thing. And have the humility to ask for help and to try to find resources that are going to sustain you over that time period um, is definitely important. As but well. also to not be afraid to start something. Sure. So you get home, there's nothing there. Call the friends that you used to have and say, hey, listen, this is what's happened in my life. Maybe this has happened in your life, too. Let's 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 get together. Let's yeah. get together once a week and actually do something fun and have that community. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, um, 
I noticed something while TJ was talking. Uh, we keep mentioning like making the daily holy hour and going to mass daily. Those are just things that sort of fit like our spiritual life at the moment. I think um, yeah. as a, as a missionary. Listen, busy people who have other things to do. Ten <laughs> minutes, ten yeah. minutes a Start day small. is sufficient. Yeah. But you need to be able to pray strongly and seriously. Ten minutes a day. It is enough. Some people are called to more. If you're going to be in constant missionary activity like Alex is, kind of, then you need a holy hour, right? If you are, if you have been discerning a vocation of the priesthood um, and you kind of realize that that's the direction you're going, then the amount of time that you're going to pray is going to increase. So like TJ prays a holy hour. I pray a holy hour because I'm a priest, okay? But normal active day people don't, they don't have to have that much. Like God knows that you're busy. He knows you're busy. It doesn't have to be that much. But it does have to be consistent. Mm. Consistency is more important than occasional volume. It is more beneficial for someone to pray 10 minutes every day than it is for them one day a week to go and pray for three hours. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, set those set goals and set small goals. Definitely start small, but, like, don't be afraid to, I don't want to say push yourself, but, like, leave room for growth as well. Because after a while, that 10 minutes isn't going to be enough. You're going to be like, maybe I need 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. So always look to sort of, like, keep making those advancements. Um the last like point I would really have to end on is um, if you find that you're following all these steps, all these tips that we're giving you, you sort of identify those things are going to trip you up. You, you know your situation back home. You do make a plan. You make a schedule. You find community or you somehow find some sort of accountability to this thing. Um, if you do all of that and maybe you start off really great like the t- first two weeks of summer, but then like you fall off, like do not just like quit. Um, I think that's such a temptation. Like, oh, man, I can't do this for the whole summer. I couldn't even do it for five days. You know, I'm just going to give up, and I'll just, you know, be, you know, a heathen for the rest of the summer. And then once I come back to school, I'll catch back up really quick. That's that's terrible. Don't do that. Like, if you if you really want to make advancements, if you really want to be, like, authentic in your relationship with Christ, you have to, like, not be afraid to just get back up, to start again. Maybe you have to go to confession. Maybe you need to make more realistic goals for yourself. But, like, have something where you can do it every single day and consistently. Remember, failure is part of the Christian life. Absolutely. It is a part of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. Christ encompassed all of humanity, and the fact is most of us are failures, (laughs) at least at times. And so he he encompassed that too, right? Failure is not a reason to give up. It's just part of the deal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Any closing comments from you guys? No, I think that we've covered a lot of good stuff, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Hell of a Catholic podcast. If you have questions, comments, objections, if you think TJ's doing a bad job, um, or suggestions for a future podcast, we have refused, not refused, we have received a few. Um, We ask you to email us at podcast at gtcatholic.org, and we will give your email the attention that it deserves. Mm. You can interpret that how you like. (laughs) Um, So it's a hell of a Catholic podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Mm-hmm. <laughs>